It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, hour number two of Green and Growing. I so appreciate you being here on a Saturday morning. It's Green and Growing. You know that until 9 o'clock. And when you call in to 404-872-0750, I can help you. I can answer some questions, but there's a whole garden community out there listening, ready to help you. They've got answers. They've got advice. So don't be embarrassed if there's something you're unsure of or maybe something you think you've messed up. Maybe we can fix it. 404-872-0750. Now, one thing I really like and enjoy about interacting with all of you during the week on social media is sharing knowledge and sharing different events and happenings and classes, ways to become educated, Um, all of these free opportunities around the city with some great gardening organizations, garden clubs, things like that. Um, But educating folks and just helping you learn if you're really starting from the garden basics. That's why on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, I created a Weed of the Week photo album to identify the weeds you're seeing that particular season and then how to treat them, but also highway horticulture. That's something that Walter Reeves and I started together years ago, and now I've carried it over, but I'm still adding new things. So the method behind that was, you know, driving down the interstate, which is most of what I do, um, but even many of you driving around your neighborhoods and things, seeing something blooming that you don't recognize, or you see a plant in your neighbor's yard, and you're like, I love that. I don't know what it is, but it's beautiful. I would like one. Um, That's why I started Highway Horticulture. So the latest installment of that, something that a lot of you are seeing right now, bloom, big, puffy, white blooms. It's often confused with a hydrangea, but it's a snowball viburnum. Um, And there's two different types. I think Eastern Snowball is going to bloom a little bit later, like late spring. But right now, the Japanese Snowball is the one that's blooming. And it is just a huge bush, almost like in the fall, you call and ask about Confederate Rose. And what is that huge shrub that's blooming these awesome, beautiful, white, dark pink flowers? Well, this is much the same size, but does have that hydrangea kind of look with a lot of small flowers all clustered in like a puff ball. So that's traditionally used as like a standalone shrub and it can be used for screening. That's not something that we often think to give out when folks are looking for privacy hedges or something like that. We always go to evergreens. That's our go-to, but this is tall enough, wide enough. You'd plant them nine feet apart. That's how much they're going to fill in, but great for screening or as part of a mixed shrub border. If you wanted to maybe do something like Indian hawthorn or Chinese fringe, lore pedlum, some shrub that's also going to change color. Nandina, the leaves are going to change color. That would look great up against this snowball. So it's best if left unpruned, especially if you're looking for it to be uh, a screening shrub, you know, privacy hedge or something like that. But if need be, prune it after it blooms and remove the oldest, thickest stems first cutting them all the way to the ground, and that's going to leave it a little less crowded to where some new growth can come up from the middle. But those are fantastic right now, and so many people, if you're lucky enough to have a snowball, cut those limbs and put them in a vase, bring them inside as an arrangement. That's going to look beautiful on the Easter dinner table. Um, And azaleas right now, starting to open up, starting to bloom. Mine are a little behind. I've seen a lot of azaleas that are just wide open and ready to go, and mine are a little bit slower, so I did fertilize them recently recently. 
Um, but that's something as well. Spring blooming shrubs like that prune after they bloom because it's not going to be long before, you know, toward the end of summer when that plant needs to reserve its energy just to make it through the summer heat. Once it starts to cool off, they immediately start setting buds for the next spring bloom. So you got to think those buds may be on that bush for six or seven months before we actually see the flowers in the spring. So that's why you don't want to prune them at any other time of year. Um, and speaking of azalea pruning as well, Norm Mitleider, he has been a part of the show since I have come on the air, and I'm so grateful for his knowledge. He's a certified aesthetic pruner, and we've talked a lot about Japanese maples as as too, but I recently had a conversation with him about azalea pruning, and this is for those of you who may have to do some major kind of reconstructive rejuvenating pruning. Let's hear what Norm has to say. Back on Green and Growing, one of my guest experts. So many contribute to the show. I couldn't do it without their help. Norm Mitleider, he's been on the show before, a certified aesthetic pruner who lives right here in Atlanta. Welcome back, Norm. Glad to be back. So you have some tips for folks about rejuvenating maybe some of their azalea shrubs. We're waiting on those to open in the spring, and they've already set some buds. What's your best advice to make them look great this upcoming spring? If the plants are of moderate size and you just want to take a little bit off of them to get them back down to a more manageable size, you can certainly wait until after they have bloomed to do any reduction and thinning. Uh, but if you really want to rejuvenate them because they've just gotten way too big, now would be an excellent time to be doing that before they bloom because you don't want the plant to expend all that energy putting on the bloom and then having to put out more energy trying to regrow after a severe cutback. So for the health of the azalea, it's very important as far as timing is when you do your rejuvenating pruning. And what would that entail? If you're going to be dramatically trimming them back, that means taking a five or six foot tall plant and trimming it back to two or three feet because azaleas will send out shoots anywhere along a stem. You don't necessarily have to trim them to a growth point. You can take them down to basically sticks, you know, to a little bit below where you really want the plant to be because you need to let it grow up to that height. So a lot of people will have the tendency, well, I only want it three or four feet tall, and that's where they cut it. But then you're not giving it any allowance to grow and look nice. So you're going to have a lot of thick ends up at the edge of your plant when you really want your finer growth there. So if you're going to trim it down to where the, your max height eventually is four feet, trim it down to three feet so that it can grow up that foot and look nice. And refreshing those larger azaleas, that can be done now, but what's going to be the consequence come springtime? Well, there definitely will not be any blooms, but, you know, it's either too large of a plant or no blooms. And if you really need to cut them back, then you have to forego the blooms. And do we still follow a a regular fertilization regimen in the spring? Yes fertilize as necessary. 
All right, Norm, thank you so much. Azalea is such a southern favorite. Almost everyone has one in their landscape. Appreciate the help. My pleasure. And you know an azalea that folks are really lucky to have, and oftentimes, again, just like this snowball bush I was talking about, native azaleas. Those are really a different kind of form, a different looking azalea, and they often you know, grow very well kind of in more of a shaded area. They don't really need pruning, but when you have properly identified a native azalea, man, you're lucky. I've seen a ton of pictures, folks sharing those on, on Facebook, and they're gorgeous. Azaleas are grouped into categories just based on a number of characteristics, right, whether they're evergreen or deciduous. Because you've got oak leaf and you've got, you know, the macrophylla, you've got, or rather, those are hydrangeas, I'm sorry. <laughs> but azaleas, you do have a lot of different types. The older native ones, the smaller, very tiny, tiny leafed azaleas, that kind of thing. So whether or not they are a native plant species, you'll have to kind of do a little bit of research. Evergreen azaleas are described just according to flower form, because that flower on a native azalea looks awfully different. Petal shape, variation in color and just the time of bloom and growth habit. Um, so that's kind of what you need to know about azaleas. And speaking of native azaleas and how much we love those and how great those are, this is Native Plant Month. So U.S. Congress earlier in the year declared April a native National Native Plant Month. Um, so that's pretty fantastic to really educate people about native plants and properly planting those in your landscape. We do have a Georgia Native Plant Society where you can find out a little more. And on the Facebook page, I did share the link to that, gnps.org. It stands for georgianativeplantsociety.org. So some great plant ideas there. Well, I wanted to share with you as well, and your calls coming up, 404-872-0750 to be on Green and Growing. I was thinking about what many of you are going to be doing for Easter. And with the vaccines rolling through, a lot of families are reuniting. This may be the first time you've been able to see grandma and grandpa in over a year. So a lot of families getting together, really happy for those reunions. Outdoor plans tomorrow, Easter egg hunts. The weather's going to be fantastic. But if you have out-of-town relatives coming in and you're looking for something to do with them maybe this afternoon or if they're sticking around till Monday because a lot of school systems are on spring break, I have compiled a list of Atlanta area gardens to visit. And I do want to share some of those with you now. And maybe I'll throw them up on the Facebook page. I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but everybody was wondering geographically, wait, which ones did she say are in my area? Some you may not have even known about. So we'll start with the larger ones, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, right in the heart of Midtown, of course. 30 acres of outdoor gardens, just a wonderful thing to see. Piedmont Park, there are a lot of folks that are going to be out and about at Piedmont Park uh, around since 1822. Walking tours are available on Saturdays. You'll have to go on their website to see a little bit more about that. Oakland Cemetery, that's an interesting one. And then head across the street for lunch at six feet under. That's a really, really interesting uh, afternoon. It's less than a mile from downtown and almost 50 acres just of all kinds of things. And one that I recently discovered as part of the show is the Dunwoody Nature Center. The park is open daily from sunrise to sundown. And also there's a lot of really good opportunities, volunteer opportunities there at the Dunwoody Nature Center. Callaway Resort and Gardens, I think right now they have Flower Fest going on in Pine Mountain, Georgia. And since we're right in azalea season, they have more than 20,000 azaleas, as we were just talking about that beloved plant here in the South, and over 700 varieties of azaleas at Callaway Resort and Gardens. Smith Gilbert Gardens is in the city of Kennesaw. Green Meadows Preserve is more West Cobb County, and I have featured their Bluebird Trail 
which is busy this time of year with uh, bluebirds that are nesting and all of that. So that's really something to see. Gibbs Gardens is in my neck of the woods up in um, like the ball ground area uh, near the Forsyth and Cherokee County line. The Daffodil Garden is really stunning for those of you who've been up to Gibbs Gardens and seen that more than 20 million daffodils. And you can purchase some there as, as you see varieties that you may be interested in. Blue Heron Nature Preserve, that's off of Roswell Road and features a butterfly garden as well. The State Botanical Garden, if you're listening a little further out east, I know some of you are in Watkinsville, Oconee County, Athens, Clark County, so the State Botanical Garden in Athens, over 300 acres, and it also includes a children's garden and a heritage garden. Again, a lot of heirloom flowers there, native plants, and everything's marked and labeled, so you can kind of educate yourself as you walk along. And GSU Perimeter College Native Plant Botanical Garden, so that's located on the Decatur campus of Georgia State University's Perimeter College, and has two main garden areas where you can see native plants and ferns of the world. So that's really cool if you want some different ideas about ferns that you would like to try in your landscape. So if you want any more information on some of these, feel free to hit me up on the Facebook page or call 404-872-0750. We'll be right back with the top three things you need to be doing this weekend. I know you're going to be busy. I know you're going to be cooking, preparing that Easter meal, but I promise I keep it simple. Here, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. All right, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Yeah, you want to know. You need to plan your weekend. Well, we're getting ready to hit a warm-up, so we're really thankful for that. Highs in the low 60s today, mainly sunny, not as cool, and very dry air. Lows overnight reaching the upper 30s to around 40 degrees, so I'm going to keep our fingers crossed in most of metro Atlanta and say that you don't need to cover your plants any longer, so... That brown grocery bag that I have over my peonies right now, I'm going to yank it off as soon as I get home. Bed sheet over the blueberry bushes, taking that off. Tomorrow, for Easter Sunday, it's going to be sunny highs in the 70s and Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad and it's the sunrise service temperatures are going to be around 35 to 39 degrees, so you do want to bundle the family up for that. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, right now, number one, you're looking at some green grass in the Bermuda lawn that doesn't look like grass. Well, that's probably Poa annua, annual bluegrass, a weed that you can try digging out. But better yet, if you're overrun with it, you've got to go ahead and ride on the calendar around mid-September. Use a pre-emergence herbicide, a weed preventer, that's going to cut back on how much of that you have. And be careful about what post-emergent chemicals you're spraying on warm season grasses right now as they're greening up. They're pretty tender when they're greening up. So just read the label, make sure you're okay. Uh, Number two, divide overwintered baskets of Boston fern. Those get so large, cut them into four sections to make it a little more manageable. Separate those out and plant two sections in a new hanging basket to thin out the Boston fern. And it's a good time to repot house plants too if you are in the mood. Whenever you want to repot something that you think is root bound, only go up and pot size about one inch. That's really the the next largest size you're gonna need. And number three, fertilize shrubs. Use one tablespoon of fertilizer per foot of height, and it'll say that on the bag. Anything for the shrubs, 10, 10, 10 fertilizer, or a specific shrub fertilizer, like Dr. Earth has one, an acid uh, 
fertilizer for acid lovers like azaleas, camellias, and rhododendrons. And I can't believe just a few minutes ago, I, I briefly just completely blanked and confused hydrangeas and azaleas. Like, who does that? But I'm finished with my first cup of coffee. Going to take a break, check news, weather, and traffic. Get that second cup of coffee. And your call's already in Atlanta talking about saving a plant from a rock garden. And Catherine and Ackworth, aloe vera, how to actually keep that and use it. It's a good way, good a good way to save a little bit of money. We'll have tips for Catherine coming up. You're listening to WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Halfway through the show, happy Easter weekend. I hope you're waking up to some beautiful weather. Sun's finally starting to shine. We're going to have a great weekend for all of your outdoor plans and Easter egg hunts. So thanks for being here. And I'm taking the Saturday off. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag next Saturday. But a full show for you next Saturday. I'm going to bring back Troy Clymer, Georgia Forestry Commission. Uh, We had a great discussion, and then that kind of led to tree forests. And one of my celebrity gardener guests, Chuck Lavelle, last year, so kind of merging the two of them together in an interview, a plant origins quiz that Walter Reeves has prepared for us. You're really going to get stumped. That one's tough. Just it makes sense to know where some of these plants come from. That way we kind of better know the conditions that they thrive in. Um, And Mary Kay Woodworth from the Georgia Urban Ag Council and Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, turf grass specialist. They're both going to join me as well and talking about really taking care of your lawn, tips for doing it properly this time of year, but also how to get some help. If you are not a do-it-yourselfer, they've got some wonderful advice for you. And also folks interested in the green industry and maybe becoming landscape professionals, starting your own business, uh, young men that are just looking to you know do a little more than just making a few bucks off of a few yards. If you're really thinking about growing a business, you'll want to hear my interview with uh, Clint and Mary Kay next Saturday. So all of that, a pretty full show next Saturday. But for now, we've got your calls. 404-872-0750. Up first, it's Artie in Atlanta. Good morning, Artie. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thank you. Good morning to you, and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, yeah I, have, I was... T- I was um, telling your producer that um you know i I, um i built this 120 foot long retaining wall last year my my yard kind of slopes in in towards my house oh i feel you probably about a half probably about a half an acre but you know when i planted um i kind of been tearing it out i planted some uh some low shrubbery on the front of the face of the wall it is working my way up i got some encores that are blooming right now that look absolutely gorgeous and um i've I imported, I, I tried to, I went online last year and I was, I, I was trying to find something that would, you know, be, cover a lot of rocky areas, not necessarily a rock garden. And I bought this plant. First of all, I looked around, nobody sold it. It's called Arborietta. Uh-huh. And I, I, so I ended up importing, getting it from a guy that, I, I don't know, somewhere, it's popular in Europe and in England. And, um, I, I got three pods from a grower in Ohio, um, and, you know, they survived. I, I grew them on my deck a little bit, and then I transplanted them in the fall in the areas I wanted them in. I mulched them real good and covered them up. You know, obviously, it's a perennial, so it died down. And it, and now they're growing back, 
and my, my, I guess I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a shout out to some of your callers. If anybody's grown it, if they've had success with it, I mean, it did survive my winter, so that's encouraging. And also, my last question is, I'm, I'm kind of looking, I'm, I'm obviously working my way up my walls, I'm cheering out, and I'm kind of looking for a, a perennial, some fire red bushes or something like that that gets a nice color in the fall. Look, I need like an orange or, you know, I've got enough reds and blues and stuff like that, but I need a, you know, a bright orange or something, and that's basically it. Okay, Thank so you. so a shrub that's going to be tall up against that retaining wall. A colorful Yeah, shrub. on the back side, though, more, more or less off the wall, probably like 30 feet off the wall as it tears up, more or less, into, you know, popping. It's about maybe eight hours sunlight, uh, eight, ten hours sunlight during the summer, or maybe in the fall, um, maybe six or seven. Okay, it sounds like you're trees, off. So. Yeah, you're off to a great start, and you've got some really good things in mind, I can tell already. So um, going back to the Aubrietta, yeah, that, I don't know why that's not as common here, but it's suitable for our zone. It is a perennial. It dies back in the in the wintertime, so it's looking a little sad right now. But like you said, it's definitely perking up as the temperatures get warmer. For anybody who that doesn't know what it looks like, it can be in lilac colors and things like that, but also reds and pinks. But from a distance the Aubrietta would almost look like, to me, like a phlox or something from a distance. But it's really good to grow vertically um, in rock gardens and things. I think it's also called false rock cress plant. So some of you may know it by that name. Um, it does just fine with minimal moisture. But when, when it's really, really hot outside, that's going to be okay. It's resistant to a lot of diseases. So that's why it's so easy. But it just does need good drainage. So where you've got it already is just fine. Now, one of my recommendations, and folks may have a lot more uh, looking for like a bright red or a bright orange shrub or something like that, really eye-catching to get away from the blues and the purples and the whites and things. I like Kaleidoscope Abelia. I think that is beautiful. Um, it's just, it, it's always of interest. It, it changes color a little bit. It's got a lot of different colors. Um, that would be one of my recommendations, but already I know folks may have some other ones. Nandina, eh, a lot of folks say Nandina's overused, uh, burning bush, things like that, maybe where you want to look to start. And it's not too late right now to install shrubs. We're, you know, still in a safe period where those roots are going to have time to establish before the heat of summer. So kind of keep that in mind, you know, the longer you all wait and start to get out in the yard and you're thinking about putting in new things, we we want to get it done pretty soon before it gets too hot. Well, Artie, I'm glad you're driving around. Drive safe and keep listening because folks may have recommendations for, I'm telling you guys, orange, red, shrub, something like that that would go pretty well near a retaining wall around the backside. Thanks for the call. Up next, Catherine in Ackworth. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Really good. What's going on? You have something fun, don't you? I do. Um, I go visit my parents when I can in Tybee Island. They live on a little back river. My mother sent me home with some, well, they pronounce it aloe or aloe. Mm -hmm. aloe. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Yeah, aloe will um, work. So I brought it home and I planted it in this little planter. It grew and grew and got heavier and heavier <laughs> and heavier. I said, oh my gosh, winter's coming. So I brought, I meant to bring it in, but I didn't, and it froze. So my mother goes, oh gosh, you can use that for so many medicinal purposes, like, you know, your, your cuts, your hair, lotion, potion stuff. And I said, okay, mom. So I wrapped it up, brought it in the, put it in the freezer. I didn't want to waste it. And I stuffed it in the freezer 
And the kids are like, what's that in the freezer? I said, don't throw it out. It's, it's Alo. It's worth everything. You know, they use it for many years. It's got a lot of uses. Oh, for sure. And, and people use it in fruit smoothies, too. I, I don't know that I would do that, but I'm definitely fair-skinned <laughs> and use it for sunburns, like pretty much, you know, three or four times a year when I get a really bad sunburn, but good for reducing inflammation, too. So, well, let me ask you, Catherine. So did you cut off each leaf as it is right now and, and put them in the freezer? I, this was before I moved to this house on um, Ackworth. I lived in Woodstock, then I moved just up the road to Ackworth. I, of course, we got hit by that tornado in 2009, uh-huh. so everything went awry. So we moved into this house. So I left everything behind. Um, it all went to waste. I felt terrible, but I was talking to my mom, and she asked, whatever happened to it? And I said, well, I froze it because it got so big, it grew so fast. Mm-hmm. And I noticed some little baby plants grew around where, I don't know how it happened, but it reproduced. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And fast. The one but thing aloe does not like is the cold weather. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, with the aloe plant I've got, I have left it out, not these last two nights, but when temperatures have gotten you know a little lower than it tolerates, say around 40 or something, and it mm-hmm. looks pitiful, and it looks like a lot of the moisture comes out of the leaves, and they'll start to brown. But that thing bounces back. So I wouldn't give up on it. I know it was pretty chilly the last couple of nights. But, um, yeah, to go back to you freezing it, though, did you cut off the leaves and freeze them? Or do you, did you stick the whole plant in the freezer? What did you do? I, I had to, It grew so big and so heavy, I could not lift it to bring it anywhere. And I had no help, and I'm thinking I'm going, I need help. And of course, everybody's busy. And I'm thinking, I can't do this. Mm And um, I got busy with the kids and the animals because I love animals. And I was on, you know, doing all these things. And I just left it outside. Yeah. Okay, so so Catherine, what we're going to do here is if you've got it in the freezer, first of all, I'd recommend going ahead and putting it in the fridge. It doesn't need the cold, cold temperatures of a freezer per se, but a fridge is going to be fine. Um, But in the refrigerator, once that leaf is cut, you need to put tin foil and a rubber band around the exposed end to keep that, you know, that sticky substance of the aloe kind of moist and not let it dry out. Put it in an airtight container, Ziploc bag, however you want to do. Now, once that's cut like that in the fridge, it'll store for up to two weeks. Um, And for best results, we want to cut the leaf, you know, horizontally, side to side, fillet it open, almost like you would fillet a fish. Um, and use a spoon or something like that to gently scrape the aloe out. But for any of you who may be facing what Catherine's facing, I really wouldn't fret too much. They they are known to bounce back. Even a pineapple plant, too, they're known to bounce back from one or two nights of cold, certainly not down in the 20s. But um, I would slowly just keep bringing it outside. And it can tolerate full sun, of course, because it's aloe, but... Um, I, I would just see what happens. Now, don't feel bad to cut off the leaves that look thinner, that look, you know, brown and start to look a little crunchy. Cut those off. And I, I promise you'll have new growth in no time. Thanks for the call, Catherine. Oh, I know that's that's upsetting, but I don't think it's it's the end of the world for sure. Uh, David and Tucker. Hello. Hello, David. Hello. Don't hear about plants being put in a freezer very often. You know, I mean, seeds and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but an aloe plant, you know, it's funny, too, just to because that kind of is counterintuitive, right? Like it doesn't like the cold weather, yet we do put it in the fridge and the freezer to to maintain it. So yeah, go figure. But that's that's just the way. 
Ah, uh, well, one thing uh, I've tried occasionally, I've kind of asked other people, and they haven't had a lot of luck with it either, is uh, hollyhocks in the Atlanta area. Uh, germination rates are pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're uh, really prone to like a, a rust as well. So once, you know, one is infected with the rust, a lot of times it spreads to other ones and people kind of give up on it. Hmm. Well, I can't get it to even pop out of the ground. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're not even at the point where now. What's your uh, What's your draw to hollyhocks? What What interests you about them? Oh, I, I, it's just kind of a different look. You know that that uh, that kind of column look and all that series of blooms. It's something a little different than a lot of the other flowering plants I have. Uh, and you know, I, I had tried them years ago and every once in a while I'll just plant some seeds and nothing happens and I would like to be victorious at least once in my life with these things. Yeah, because they're gorgeous. They definitely pay off for sure. So, um, you know, there are different varieties too and this is something that a lot of gardeners forget because some strains behave as annuals um, and they sprout up every year but you may have a variety that kind of behaves as a biennial. So it may only show itself every two years. Did you know about that? Yes, yes. Yeah. I I was under the impression that that first year, it's. I've been told it's greenery, but I was under the impression it was a green greenery with a stalk. Mm-hmm. But I I haven't really noticed that version of it. Of course, everyone always photographs the flowering version. Yeah. So to make it. I don't know if there's really a way to force it into acting like a perennial, but to kind of try and trick it a couple of months after it blooms, if you can get it to that point, um, cut the plant back to just above the lowest leaves. And then those leaves feed new leaves, which sprout around the base. And it just kind of confuses it, I guess. But as far as getting it to come up in the first place, that we just may have to wait and see. No uh, chipping or soaking or encouraging speeches or no not i mean i've not done it myself so i don't really have any words of wisdom but maybe someone out there mickey gasway or something would would have an idea of how to how to make it happen david because i know you want to be victorious with those my god what a showstopper i mean people you'll be the envy of people that walk by and see them yeah and just another thing for the pollinators to enjoy yes and we need those right now we need all of the plants and they need all the help they can get for sure well david keep listening i know you will buddy because uh someone may may call in and tell tell you how to help this hollyhock along i love it thanks for the call david and thanks always for your curiosity as well time to take a break and check weather and traffic and all the things you need to know and then we'll be right back stay tuned you're listening to green and growing on wsb pretty intense music. I like it. Getting you up and getting you ready to go on a Saturday morning. Glad you're here. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update today. Mostly sunny. It's not as cool as it has been, but very dry air. Highs reaching the low 60s and lows overnight in the upper 30s, so I think we're okay there. Tomorrow, Easter Sunday, sunrise service temperatures are still going to be chilly 
In the upper 30s, a bundle up at sunshine and a mild afternoon. Highs around 70 degrees and really no rain in the forecast, it looks like, until maybe Thursday. Um, And hey, I'm headed out of town, so y'all can deal with the rain. It won't be as much as it's been, so it's okay. Um, Glenn from Atlanta, I believe, was just on hold asking about pruning Chinese holly. Um, And I wanted to cover that a little bit because that's one of those that can get just so big and so intimidating if you haven't kept up with it. So pruning, that is an evergreen holly. Um, So pruning that between now and I would say like August would be fine. And even February to mid-March is ideal uh, for overgrown shrubs like that for unkempt uh, Burford hollies, Chinese hollies, even like ligustrum and things like that, just vigorous woody shrubs. Mid-March, February is the best time to really take those way back. You still could. Um, you still could. Prune them down to 12 to 18 inches high. I know that seems very severe. Um, and also kind of mid-season in between those times in the wintertime and like August is really best to shear them if you're looking to make them more of a hedge. But you can certainly prune Chinese holly right now. That's the one with the shiny leaves. It's spiny. It often looks like uh, bullhorns almost is how people relate the leaves of a Chinese holly. And, of course, it has the red berries that the birds love and that kind of make us think of the holidays. But, yeah, Glenn, you you have my permission to go ahead and prune that Chinese holly if that was, in fact, what you were asking about. Certainly a good question. Well, coming up in hour number three of the show, 8 o'clock, more of your garden calls and your questions. And don't forget, we've had someone reach out for advice. Artie was asking about this Aubrietta, this beautiful lilac-colored or pink-colored Uh, plant that does really well cascading over rock gardens and retaining walls and things like that if you've got any advice on that and just any garden question it's your time 404-872-0750 we'll be back you're listening to WSB for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.